We'll get going here. Uh, Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for being good to us. Uh, Lord, thank you for the rain this morning and uh, just being a little cooler today. And uh, Lord, uh, it's just refreshing. Uh, Lord, I do just thank you for what you're doing uh, at HBF and uh, just the the things that happened this week uh, with VBS. There were there were a lot of moving parts. There were a ton of people, uh, Lord, and everybody was doing it for your glory. Uh, it really was. Uh, cool to be a part of. It was cool to just kind of stand back and watch uh, to see people uh, really just grow, uh, Lord, to stretch themselves, to um, just be uh, be obedient and uh, just do whatever you're calling them to do. And it was just uh, really uh, encouraging this week to see that. So, Lord, I do pray that um, we can just continue that synergy as we roll into the, the summer months. And uh, it's easy in the summer to kind of get disconnected, but I pray we would just be uh, excited about what you're doing uh, and just uh, grab a hold of any way that we can uh, to be a part of what's happening around here and around the world. So, uh, Lord, I do pray you speak to us today. I'm going to jump into First uh, Corinthians, uh, back into First Corinthians, Lord. So I pray that uh, things would be clear and concise. They wouldn't be uh, confusing, Lord, but uh, that you would really just uh, speak through me, that you'd get the honor and the glory uh, for everything that's done and said. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Also, just remember, there's, it's summertime. People are vacating, vacationing. They're doing different things. Just be praying. A lot of things happening, going on. It's just you know, there's a reason that people are out, and you know, it's always it, it's a good thing to take a break every now and then. It's a good thing to to refresh. And so, uh, just be praying for the class as a whole. Uh, just people got things going on, and that's good. So, um, okay. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up uh, to First Corinthians. Uh, that's where we're at. Uh, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so, you know, that might be another reason why nobody came to class today because nobody really wants to talk about this kind of stuff. But, you know, that's where we're at and so that's what we're going to do. So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, the book of 1 Corinthians is kind of a rebuke on the church and some things that are going on. And, uh, it gets a little... Uh, it gets a little sticky uh, in chapter 5. It's really not. It's really black and white. It's very clear cut. But, you know, it's just stuff that, like, why is he talking about that? Well, sometimes somebody's got to say something. You know, somebody. sometimes somebody's got to be the one to say something. So uh, title today, if you're a title kind of person, is... Uh, uh, gray is our favorite color. That's your title. Gray is our favorite color. And I say that because uh, we live in a world, when I say our, I mean the world we live in. And honestly, uh, a lot of times the Laodicea in church, what? Uh oh, I just anyway, uh, gray. Uh, when I say our favorite color, I don't mean just the world. Uh, I mean the Laodicean church. The church age that we live in uh, is just totally. Um, they're they're so lukewarm, right? Uh, it says that in Revelation chapter three that God's like, man, I w- I wish you would either you know do something or not but man you are you're wasting not only your time but my time you know he says you're lukewarm you're not cold you're not hot i'm gonna spew you out of my mouth and it's just his way of saying that you know we don't take anything as an absolute standard anymore and so think back to uh just the events man are you a guitar player now that's sweet (laughs) you're babysitting well be careful with it i'm telling you (laughs) i promise Maybe Brenton and his babysitter are not a good idea, <laughs> carrying it upside down and banging it on the floor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, this week, unless you had your head under a rock, uh, some things came down on Friday, and it's kind of been in the news quite a bit. And so uh, I'm not a political kind of guy, not going to go there. Um, but uh, when you just look at the events of this week, 
it, it kind of shows you how divided the country we live in is and how nobody wants an absolute standard of anything in their life, whatever it is. And so, you know, as the church, there really shouldn't be any division, but I would even venture to say that even as the church at HBF, uh, this is something that there would be something that's, that, that we would be divided on, which is, is crazy because, you know, God values life. Uh, and I also understand that, you know, there's, there's personal rights and constitutional rights and all of that. Um, but I also would say for as much as I love the Constitution that we have, um, it's not going to mean a lick of anything uh, when Jesus comes back. So um, take it while you can, but uh, don't take it as gospel because there's only one gospel and his name is Jesus. So, uh, but anyway, the, the whole point is, you know, as I get into this chapter, there's no coincidence that, you know, things like this are happening. And so, you know, it's, it's things like what happened this week, right, with the reversal of the, uh, the Supreme Court reversing uh, the Roe versus Wade, that the, that the world we live in, they hate the Bible because they hate an absolute standard. They don't want anybody to say that this is the way things need to be. Uh, it's all about, well, this is what I want it to be, and this is how I want it to be, and this is what I think should happen. And so the world today, they hate the Bible, and they hate the people who that like the Bible. No matter what the situation is, we want to add the caveat, and I don't mean just the world, but even in the church today, we want to add the caveat, yeah, I understand, but what if, right? Yes, I understand that's what the Bible says, but what if? Yeah, I know that that's what is probably right, but what if, right? We always try to find, we are like the the, the largest loophole society that has ever lived, right? And it's just totally crazy. It's just like if we can find a, a loophole, a what if, right, and that's just kind of the world that we live in. And so uh, the church in Corinth was ahead of their time in this area. And Paul takes basically this entire chapter, and we're going to try to get through it today. It's only 13 verses, so don't freak out, um, to address this whole thing. And so, you know, let me just read the first couple of verses, because if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to find out very quickly. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 5. He just gets done with chapter 4, and he's talking about, you know, am I going to need to come in love or with the rod, right? And he's, he's leading up to what's going on in chapter 5. And he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's just read, because he explains it very well. Uh, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. The world doesn't even do this stuff, is what he's trying to say, right? Right. Uh, that one should have his father's wife. Now, I'm guessing that he's not talking about his mom, right? I'm guessing that there was an issue, a divorce, uh, something. But he's talking about there's somebody in the church that is sleeping with their stepmom, right? That's basically what it says, okay? So that's what we're talking about today. And that he just comes right out, verse 1. He doesn't you know, try to tiptoe around the subject. He's like, hey, this is the issue. And so here's what I've got today uh, for us as we read through this. And we're like, well, I don't really know this happening in in the church that we go to, so can we just move on? Well, no, that's not how we do things. We don't just wait until, you know, the volcano erupts to prepare for uh, a volcano eruption, right? We don't wait till, uh, you know, the hailstorm to pull the car in the garage, right? We don't wait for tragedy to strike before we say, hey, what are we going to do if this happens? And so we always need to be thinking ahead, not for this situation in particular, but if it did. But the point is uh, fornication in general or other things that are listed later on. So today I've got four, four rules of engagement for open sin in the church. Four rules of engagement for open sin in the church. Now I'm pausing because I've got something else as well, so I'm going to let you write that down. And then alongside that, I have four answers to the most common yeah, but what if questions that go with those. Because I understand that's the age we live in, right? 
And there's always a, I understand that's what the Bible says, but what if? And when you get into situations like this, when you get into topics like this, when you get into things people don't like to talk about, you try to give them an absolute standard, and they say, yeah, but... And so we're going to address just a few of the yeah buts as we go through this. So four rules of engagement for open sin in the church and four answers to the most common yeah but what if questions that go with it. So the first one, uh, the first rule of engagement is open sin in the church should bring brokenness and action. Open sin in the church should bring brokenness and action. It says it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up. He's talking to the church as a whole. Ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. Right? He says that you're not even broken about this. This is going on. Everybody knows about it. There ain't nothing hiding it. It's not like this is a this might be happening. Like this is open. This is like, yeah, I'm doing it. What are you going to do about it? Uh, and he says, you're just... You're puffed up about it. There's no issue. You don't care. Uh, that's a problem. And so the first uh, rule of engagement when you come into open sin in the church is it should bring brokenness in action, right? Why should it bring brokenness? How many times... In, what? Go ahead. For repentance, right? Uh, how many times in the Bible does it say that we are the body of Christ, right? It says that we are members fitly joined together, right? We are all a part of the body of Christ, well, if part of the body is broken, if part of the body is not working correctly, there should be brokenness about it. You might be like, I don't even know that guy. Well, that's your fault, right? I don't even know that person. Well, you know, we, we try to disconnect ourselves from situations like we are all one body, right? And so we have to understand that, well, it has nothing to do with me, right? I need to stay away from situations like that. No, right? Uh, you're not helping by not helping. Now, think about that for a minute. You're not helping somebody by not helping them. Right? Well, I'm just going to, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole, right? There's situations that's like, I don't want nothing to do with that. You know, there's times that things will come across, people will bring a situation to us, and it's just like, man, I wish I didn't know that now, right? I don't, I don't want to be a part of what's happening here. You're not helping by not helping. If you know something's happening, if you know something is, is wrong, that is openly uh, messed up, and you're like, you know what, I'm just not, you're not helping by not helping. Uh, you're not helping by not saying, hey, something's not right here. You're not helping by distancing yourself from something that you're called to not distance yourself from. You're, you're called to be a part, to be the light, right? Especially in the church, you've got to do that. So you're not helping by not helping. The question should not be, am... I'm sorry, the question should not be, should I do something, but rather, what am I going to do? The question can't be like, well, should I... Should I say something? Should I do it? It shouldn't be, am I going to? Is it, what am I going to do? And we're going to get into like the practical what you should be doing and things like this. Um, but for now, it's not just a, well, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't want to touch it. I don't want nothing to do with it. It should bring brokenness. When you see somebody in the church go off the deep end, it should bring brokenness. It shouldn't be like, well, you know, they'll figure it out. It, it should it should bring brokenness, as if it was your best friend, as if it was your kids, as if it was your spouse. All of a sudden, well, that's really that's really up in my world. Well, guess what? We're the body of Christ. It is up in your world. If something like that is going on in the church, especially here like at HBF, but in the body of Christ, it, there should be brokenness. We should, we should have a desire to make these things right very quickly. Not like, well, you know, it, we know what's going on, but we'll figure it out. He says that they're puffed up is what Paul says. And then the... 
the what if question that goes with this, with this. Yeah, but what if it really has nothing to do with me? And it doesn't affect me. What do I do then, Jason? Right? What if it really has nothing to do with me? You don't have to write all this down. I know it's whatever. But I understand these are the questions that will go along with it. But it has nothing to do with me. Why do I need to be involved in it? Right? Because that's the, the question that goes... By turning a blind eye, you become you know, what we would call an accessory to murder. If you know something and you don't say something, that's a problem. Right? Yeah, that, that's the world we live in says that. Right? The, the laws that we abide by say that. People who ask this question, you know... Well, it really has nothing to do with me, and it doesn't affect me. What do I need? Why do I need to be a part of it? People who ask this question, they don't truly understand the church is more than a building. They think the church is where they come on Sunday morning. They think the church is, you know, that's where we come and, and, and meet God, right? The church is so much more than that. The church is alive. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. When you start to understand that the church is that and not a building, all of a sudden this question goes out the window. This question isn't like, well, I don't really, there has nothing to do with me, uh, I promise if you're saved today and you really understand that you're a part of the body and a part of the body is broken and, you know, it, you don't like break your toe and decide, you know, I'm just not going to do anything about it. It'll figure it out, right? And it'll fall off or straighten up one of the other. No, you do something about it. You fix it. You, you take the steps necessary to rectify the situation, right? Too often, especially in the world we live in, it's like, you know what? And we say this at our house a lot of times, but not in this, not in this scenario. Not my circus, not my clowns, right? You know, we say that all the time because it's like, you know what? We're involved in so many different things. Sometimes it's like, you know what? That's not my circus. That's not my clowns, right? I'm, they, can, they can figure it out. This is not one of those areas, right? When there's open sin in the church, I promise, if you're in the body of Christ, this is your circus, right? And you're the clown if you don't do anything about it, if you don't say something, if you don't at least take the right steps moving forward. We'll get into what the steps look like, but yes, sir? There's a picture of this. The other day I watched the video. It was from Brazil, but there was a dude trying to, like, I don't know, if he was trying to kidnap a lady or what in the street. And there's a person in the street, too, and they're doing nothing, just watching. And then a bus comes by, and the bus ends up, like, stopping, and, like, six guys get out of the van for the bus and, like, jump the dude. And right. They're probably, I don't know who that is. Yeah. It, when you see something that's not right, you need to take action. Now, it doesn't mean that you're the one who has to rectify the situation. You're not the one that's going to say, hey, uh, this sin is totally ridiculous and you need to get right. No, there is structure in the church. Don't ever put yourself, we'll, we'll get to this at the end if we get that far, but you're, you're not here to be the Lone Ranger, right? You know, you aren't Batman. You're not the vigilante. I promise there's structure in place. But being an, assess, an, an accessory, not an accessory, but an accessory, like, yeah, I'm like the fancy uh, seat heater, right? No, it, being an accessory to something like that is not helping anybody, right? Turning a blind eye saying, it has nothing to do with me. Why do I need to? You're not helping anybody. All you're doing is lo- allowing the sin to continue to grow, right? You're allowing other people outside the church. That's why people hate the church. They're like, it's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, most of the time it is. You're right. I, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. There's no such thing as it has nothing to do with me, right? If you're a part of the body, you understand that the body is alive and it does have something to do with you, right? And understand that there's something you are called to do, right? Moving on, I don't have time to just continue to beat this. But it goes on to say in verse 3, For verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, so Paul is saying, I'm not even there. Like, I'm in a different location. I'm writing a letter to you. I am not there in, like, in the flesh, but I am there in the spirit because we are all one body. 
And I don't even need to be there to hear all of the, yeah, but you don't understand the situation. You don't understand all of the details. And he's like, there is no, I don't need to understand. I'm able to know what needs to be done with this and not even be there. Like, there's not a whole lot of questions about a situation like this. What needs to be done? Well, you know, no, Paul's like, I don't even need to be there in the flesh to tell you what needs to happen here. Y'all should have figured this out. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit, meaning if you're in the church, in my spirit, uh, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be uh, saved to the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so... Before we get too far into this, let me explain to what he's talking about. Some people take this passage and like, what does it mean to deliver him to, to Satan, right? Or whatever. That means. It means that if a person, and I'm just going to give, make it as black and white as I can. If a person is going to basically, and we're talking about a saved person here. And we're going to really circle around and make this understand under, more understood at the end. But just so you understand what I'm saying right now. Somebody who is born again, right? a part of the body of Christ, and for whatever reason, something has happened, is, and they have uh, chosen sin. They have backslidden. Something is going on, right? We don't lose our salvation. You all understand that, right? Once you're saved, you're saved no matter what. You can't even want to be unsaved. You can want it, but it doesn't happen, right? You can't want it away. You can't wish it away. It doesn't happen like that. Okay, so a person backslides, and they get into a situation like this. When it says that we are to turn them over to Satan, what it's saying is if they're going to choose the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. It is better for us as the body of Christ to say, you know what, if that's what you're going to do, go do it, but don't do it here. Right? Go do it, but you're not going to do it in this house. Right? It's equivalent of, as a parent, if you've got a wayward child who is going to continue to do something that is just completely ridiculous. Like, I love you to death, but you're not going to do that in my house. Right? You can stay here as long as you want, but if you're going to continue to do that, you can't stay here anymore. Right? I can't make your choices for you. There's the door if that's what you're choosing. That's what he's saying. It's better off for us to say, you know what, if that's the choice you're going to make, because we can't force anybody to do anything. God gave everybody free will. Right? He says it's better off for you to just go and do it than to do it here. Because all you're doing is you're blaspheming the name of the Lord and you're bringing schism to the entire body of Christ by doing this. Why does he say that, though? It clears it up completely because the people who ask that question, they don't read on because it says... I just want to make sure that this is clear before we get into the things that I had. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, meaning God's like, Paul says, I know what's going to happen. Like, I've seen this movie and I know how it ends, right? You want to go down that road? Fine, do it. I know how it ends. The destruction of the flesh is how this ends. But he says, to deliver him unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved. Meaning you're not going to continue to blaspheme the name of the Lord here, Right? You're going to end up in heaven one way or the other. You want to go and destroy your flesh now? Fine, go do it, but you're not going to do it here. That's what he's saying when he says that, right? Now, does that mean that once we say, go and do your thing, that you're not welcome back here? Absolutely not. We always leave room for repentance, right? That is the, that is the goal for any sin in anyone's life, saved or lost. We always leave room for repentance. We always leave room for change, for return, to come back, right? Think of... Uh, Think of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. He comes to dad, and he's like, you know what, man? I'm out. Give me my inheritance, and I'm gone. And dad's not like, well, no, you can't do that, right? He says, if that's the choice you're going to make, here you go. 
And he, he lets him go. The same way, if that's the choice, if you're going to continue, if you're going to choose to just openly have sin in your life, then here, go and do it. Here's your inheritance, go. But he always leaves room for repentance. God always leaves room. The church always leaves room. Anytime that we have somebody on church discipline, that, that's what we'll talk about at the end. Anytime somebody gets put on church discipline, there's always room. And I promise there's way more grace than people would ever understand when it comes to church discipline. You have, you have no idea. But... Um, as soon as you're ready to come back, man, come on back. We're ready whenever you are, right? The door is always open. The problem is people, they don't like truth. They don't like light shined on their darkness, so they don't come back. And they have. It happens, right? It happens. People who fall away, people who uh, choose the world, people who get caught into all the different things that the world has to offer, people come back. People figure it out. Why? Because God is good. That's why. Because eventually they realize that, you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter how much I drink, how many drugs I take, how many women I have, how many whatever it is, it's still not anything like what I could have in Christ. People do come back. So there's a reason that he says that. Here's your next um, rule of engagement when it comes to these kinds of things. Open sin should bring consequences that are uh, viewed with eternity in mind. Open sin should bring consequences that are viewed with eternity in mind. Now, the word consequences is kind of like you can say whatever it is, you know, I say that because it doesn't matter what choice you make in life, there's a natural consequence to everything you choose. You can choose the right thing and there's a consequence for it. Usually it's some sort of praise, right? So a consequence, we just think of that in a negative light. But what I'm saying is open sin, if you're going to choose to have open sin in the church, it's going to bring a result but that needs to be viewed with eternity in mind. Life is but a vapor, right? We like to think, well, what? You're just going to let this person walk out? You're just going to let them leave? You're just going to, yeah, I am. Because you know what? This life is like a blink compared to what eternity has to offer. So if they're going to choose that now, fine, go choose it. If that means that your soul can be purified in eternity, then fine, go. It's better than just continuing to blaspheme God now because that's not going to be pretty when you get to heaven, right? That's not what's going to happen. So, this life is but a vapor. Everything we do, now everything, I'm not talking about just in this situation, but everything you do in life should be done with eternity in mind. Now think about that for a minute. Everything you do should be viewed with eternity in mind. How much you work, how much you don't work, uh, how much you get involved at the church, how much you, uh, how much you do anything. Everything that you do should be viewed with eternity in mind. Well, what does that mean? It means you've got to keep things prioritized. Some people would say balanced. I don't really like that word because there's really no such thing as... You don't see Jesus balancing a lot of things. Jesus prioritized things. Yeah. No, harmony, yeah. However you want to say it. It's not really a balance. And I understand what people mean when they say that. I've got so many different things. I've got to figure out how to balance family and work and ministry. And um, what, well, what they're really trying to say is I need to learn how to prioritize things the way God would. Because if you do, then things generally fall into place. I understand there's busy seasons in life. You know, we've been in one for, what, like 16 years, you know, something like that. You know, there's, there's busy seasons in life. I say that kind of jokingly. You know, there's, yeah, it, there's, there's a joke in our house, and it, it's not even really a joke anymore. It's just kind of like, oh. But it's like, you know what, in, in two weeks, things are going to slow down. And we used to say this all the time. We really believed it. Like, you'd look at the calendar, and it's like, Okay, we got to get through this. Like, okay, in, in two weeks, there's, things are really going to you know, open up. That's just because we haven't filled the calendar in yet. Like, yeah, just because uh, this sports season ended doesn't mean that another one's not going to start, right? Just because this is done doesn't mean that this isn't going to start happening. It just happens. And so the two weeks thing, you know. I mean, if they stopped overlapping, 
Yeah. I, I mean, he is right. We're, we're not only playing baseball but football at the same time right now. So I'm not sure, like, we're, we're football one day and then baseball the next day. And it's, like, good times, man. Uh, it's, it's all good. The point is, like, you're always going to be busy. So understanding how to prioritize things the way that God would uh, is key. And that's why there's a structure in place. That's why it's so important that, you know, God is first and you've got to get in the Word. If you're not in the Word, how do you get along? I can tell you, not very good sometimes, right? God is first, man. Your spouse, if you're married, that's number two. Because if that relationship's not right, you're going to struggle with all the other ones, right? Your kids, and then the ministry. Now, I understand, like, well, it's VPS week. What do I do? Like, I understand for short times, some things just have to be prioritized. But that's why we minister together with our spouse, right? That's why we minister with our kids. All of these different things. And so... Anyway, that has nothing to do with my notes. I'm just telling you, like, prioritizing is, is, is key. So, they should be, so open sin should, be, uh, should bring consequences that are viewed with eternity in mind. Okay, so the, the what if question, right? No, I'm sorry. Go back to this for a second. Go back to this first. So, here's an example. Sorry, I, was, I, I missed something. When I say that open sin should bring consequences that are viewed, so it's basically sometimes you have to accept a little bit of hurt for the greater good, right? That's kind of the point here. So it would be similar to, um, you know, somebody going to war, somebody going to whatever, somebody, and, you know, uh, this is just the thing that comes to mind, but like, you know, they step on a, what do they call those things, an IED or whatever, you know, and blows up, right? Their legs all falling apart. You know, it's, it's not good. Things like this happen. It's like getting in a car wreck, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you've got, you know, your legs about to fall off. And they're like, well, if we don't, if we don't cut this thing off, you're going to die. And it's like, well, I don't want to live my life with, you know, without a leg. I don't want to live my life without my arm. Or, well, and I would rather do that than die, right? Wouldn't you? So the whole point is sometimes there has to be some hurt for the greater, the greater purpose. What he's saying is sometimes... If it means that we're going to say, you know what, fine, if that's your choice, then go to the world. If that's your choice, then go do it. It hurts, but it's better than not living at all. It's, it's better to say, it, it, no, it's very true. It's better to say, fine, you want to go live like hell, go do it in the world. Because I know that eternity is still waiting for you and there's, some, there's something still worth there, something there still worth preserving is what he's saying. And so think about it like that. It kind of gives you a practical example. Like nobody would just say, well, no, I'm gonna, I would rather die than not have a leg. They would, my favorite toe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, they, they would figure it out and they would move forward, right? It's the same thing. Some people are like, well, if, you would let them, if you're going to let them go, then you're no better than, I, I'm just telling you, I, if I'm going to let them go, I actually love them more than they love themselves, is what I'm saying. I, I'm allowing them time to figure it out, you know? Now, it, it's easy to say that in the church. Uh, wait till it starts happening, like, at home. Wait till it starts happening with uh, people that you, that you love, people that you're close to, friends, right, family. You know, it's really hard to say, yeah, I'm going to let you go on. But then, you know, like when it's somebody, somebody in your extended family, you know, if it's your brother, your sister, if it's, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm just telling you that's what it says to do, right? That's what you have to do. It's what you have to be willing to do. So the question that goes with this, because there's always a question of what if, right? But, but what if their sin is, is not really, quote-unquote, open sin, right? Because that's the next thing you're going to ask. I know. What if it's not really like, well, everybody knows it's going on, but they're not just out flaunting it, right? Uh, what, what, what do you do then, right? 
Okay, I'm glad you asked. The church has a really good structure for things like this. The church has a really good... It's not your job to be like, you know what? Everybody knows that Sally's over there sleeping with Johnny and her husband's not really cool with it, right? And everybody knows this is going on or whatever. And I say that because I don't know anybody named Sally or Johnny, right? But the point is like, everybody knows it's happening. It's not your job to be like Detective Gadget here and figure everything out, right? It's not your job. You might know what's going on. Uh, The church has a really awesome structure to let you know when it's time for you to know what you think you already know. You picking up what I'm throwing down? The church is, you know, there's, I promise, we spend entirely too much time as quote-unquote pastors, right, um, talking about situations that, you know, let's give them some more time, let's see how it comes around, let's see how things go, right? I promise, for every time that church discipline rolls around, you're like, I can't believe that that's going on. I promise, uh, there's been letter after letter after letter. There's been phone call after phone call after phone call. There's been opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for them to repent for months before it ever comes to, okay, this has to be made public to the body because this isn't this just isn't cool, right? So anytime, it always, I, I always hate this situation because people are like, I can't believe they would do that. I promise uh, the person brought it on themselves. They knew better and they had every opportunity to repent. It's not like, oh my gosh, this happened. We better say something Sunday morning about it. I mean, come on. It doesn't work like that. So we'll get into the, we'll get to church discipline in a little bit. But I promise anybody who has that thought of, you know, oh, I can't believe that. So what if their, their sin's not really open sin? Uh, the church has a, a structure for this. God has a way, believe it or not, God has a way of bringing things to light. God has a way of... Uh, the things that you thought were hidden aren't so hidden anymore. God has a way of uh, revealing your sin, right? There, there is no sin uh, hidden to God. And I promise uh, you might think you're fooling God, but sometimes he'll, uh, he'll bring it to light to men too because uh, obviously we're not ashamed enough. We're not, uh, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, we're not convicted enough to know that God knows about it. But man, if, if man knows about it, we're going to do something. You know, so God has a way of bringing things to light. Just understand that. Don't become part of the problem by overlooking the problem. Don't become part of the problem by overlooking the problem. Just because you know something's going on, you're like, well, I haven't heard anything about it, so I'm not going to say anything. Or maybe it's something that isn't in the open. Maybe it's something that's like, hey, uh, I saw Susie over there, uh, you know, I saw things I shouldn't have seen that shouldn't have been happening, right? And nobody else does know about it. Um, again, it's not your job to just, like, be Jesus to them, like, in, in the way of, like, oh, my gosh, you can't do it. But uh, when things like that are going on, there is, again, a structure in place. Um, again, that would be when you would come and maybe talk to me or Brian, and I would be one of the situations that was like, I wish I didn't know that. Um, but there's a structure in place, and there's a reason. You don't run and tell all your friends about it, so then everybody else knows about it except for the pastors, right? Uh, you let somebody know there's a structure in place. So it doesn't. So don't become part of the problem by overlooking it. If you know something's happening, now too often people are like, well, I think this might be happening. And like, okay, in, unless you know, uh, again, God has a way of bringing things to light. Just, just chill out a minute and take a step back. God has a way of uh, revealing things. But if you... If you've seen something that you can't unsee, 
You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're picking up what I'm throwing down. The dude's sleeping with his stepmom, right? Uh, if you've seen something that you can't unsee, then there is a structure of people that you could go talk to. And as, again, as much as, as far as like in Passpoint, like as much as I don't like being the guy, like I would be the one that you would maybe come and talk to. Hey, I, I'm, this shouldn't, this is not good. Okay, man, there's a, I promise. No, you might be like, you don't understand. I promise you won't, you won't say something that's going to be like, my jaw won't drop. And I promise uh, even more so, you won't say anything that's going to make Brian Head just say, oh my gosh, I, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, it, that's what sin does, man. That's what Satan does. There is nothing that could ever happen to anybody. Brian Hedges, and I say this because I have more respect for Brian than, than probably any other like man, because he's just that upright. He could fall into sin, and I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Because why? Because the devil is a punk, that's why. And I know he's, he's targeting people like that. I've seen it happen. And so what I'm saying is don't ever think that you're going to, well, I don't, I don't want to like say something that you're not going to say anything. Like if you know something is happening that you know is happening, it's time to say something, right? And it doesn't mean that you're going to run and tell all the people about it. There's a structure in place, again, for things like that. So don't become part of the problem by overlooking the problem. Yeah, but, but what if, if their sin's not really open sin? Um, if you don't know and you just think you know, okay, well then don't know. And I promise when it comes time enough for you to know, you'll know. I know it sounds like Dr. Seuss here for a minute, but like, just because everybody thinks they know something's going on, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know all the details, right? And it, it doesn't always have to be sexual sin. I know that's where everybody's kind of thinking. But like, everybody thinks that this guy's like, you know, out, he's got this huge gambling problem, right? Everybody knows it. He ain't got no money. He's always, you know, maybe you don't know. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's, you know, you, you never completely understand. And so I promise when it comes time for you to publicly know about something, um, it'll be made light. Or, better yet, they will have repented and nobody ever really needed to find out about it. Wouldn't that be crazy, right? Wouldn't it be crazy that the structure actually worked the way that it does? Guess what? It happens. For every time that somebody, for every time that, and I, I can only think of maybe, Three or four times. How long have we been at HBF? Since 2008. Since 2008. 14 years. In the 14 years, I can only think of maybe three or four times that Brian's actually had to stop and get the body together. Now, not like the guests, but he would get everybody together at like 9 o'clock and be like, hey, this is going on. Um, and so there's steps that need to be taken. And obviously we'll talk about those steps next week because we can't get to it today. But there's steps. What I'm saying is just since I've been on the pastoral team, uh, I can count 20, maybe 30 instances that we've had to, at least amongst pastors, have the conversation of we're going to start going down the road of you know, reaching out, calling them out on their sin, giving them opportunity to repent. So obviously the structure works if I've only seen it publicly less than one handful of times. And I personally in the last few years since I've been on the pastoral team have seen that many the structure works, guys, is what I'm trying to tell you. There's a reason that Paul writes things like this because there's a the grace of God, man, it's it's farther than you would ever understand when it comes to things like this. Everybody has something that trips them up, right? Everybody has something that trips them up. Don't get down on somebody because it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Like, again, like maybe get the stick out of your eye when you're looking at the speck in mine, you know. 
So we're going to have to stop there because I thought we were going to get done and have extra time and we got through half of it. So <laughs> is what it is. We'll pick up next week, uh, make some more people uncomfortable about fornication, uh, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> No, that's not what I said. Uh, anyway, so uh, th- there's a structure, guys. I, it's really hard to explain all this, but at the end, uh, point four, I really do kind of get into... This is, this is the things that we have to do when it comes to things like this. Things that practically you as the just church member that, that you need to be taking, right? And it's very clear in the text. So with that, let's pray. We'll get out of here. Um, have a good week, guys. It's been crazy. So uh, get some rest and keep loving God and loving people. Um, so hug somebody that was a part of EBS because it was really good. So <laughs> let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just your church, uh, Lord. It, um, it is really awesome to be a part of uh, a church like HBF who is uh, so committed to um, get the work done uh, with the lambs and with the sheep, Lord. But it's even better to know that I'm part of the church. Uh, it has nothing to do with the building, but uh, I am just a small part of what you're doing in the world. And so, God, when we uh, view um, just situations like these in that light, uh, we understand that um, there's a structure in place. There's a way that you have uh, things to be done. And so, Lord, I do um, pray that these things aren't confusing, but uh, you you would just be the author uh, of light, and we know that you're not the author of confusion. So, uh, Lord, I pray you just send us out um, today uh, as lights in a dark world. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for Pastor Brian as he preaches today that he'd just be bold uh, and just uh, get the word where it needs to go. We do pray for uh, just our nation. Uh, it's it's a very crazy time right now, and uh, uh, there's no uh, question that uh, there are people that are uh, angry, there's people that are uh, hurting, there's people that are confused, uh, Lord. And so I do pray that um, the light of uh, the truth of the Word of God uh, would be uh, just the... Uh, uh, the ointment that would heal uh, those things. Um, it's so much easier to understand um, just the way things like this happen when you can see things uh, in the light of eternity. So, uh, Lord, we do uh, just praise you for what you're doing. Uh, I pray you just uh, be with those who are out traveling this week and a lot of things going on. Keep us safe uh, over the next couple of weeks. I pray you just get all the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen.